Good to see you tonight. Thankful that you're here. Glad that we have opportunity to continue to worship God now as we study His Word. I invite you to get your Bible as Shane has read for us from Psalm 97. It kind of sets the scene for us as we see the exalted position of the Lord as He reigns over heaven and earth and uh, executes His judgments uh, as He uh, rules this world and the, uh, the call to worship Him uh, that, uh, and for man to put away those things that are false gods uh, and to recognize His judgments and His glory uh, above all the earth. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we encourage you to become one. And as Christians, we want to uh, consider uh, that uh, while we reside upon God's footstool, it is before His throne that we come now to worship Him. and pray that our worship will be acceptable and honorable in His sight. You know, we, we uh, probably, many of us here tonight have recliners of some sort. We uh, put our feet up at the end of the day, maybe on the couch or maybe on some pillows or maybe on a footstool. We have some footstools around here, I think. I think there's some there at the foot of Sister Angie there tonight. I, I, was, I was peeking through. There's several of those. We put our feet up there because it's comfortable, right? It, it's, it's a place of rest. Well, now, God says, understand that, that when I talk about my footstool, He says that uh, the earth is His footstool. Imagine God on the day that He rested in Genesis, the second chapter, verse 2, after He had worked for six days creating this, this uh, world, this universe, the heavens and the earth. That says that He rested, He, he made an end of His work. Uh, as we would work and rest at the end of the day and put our feet up. Imagine God putting His feet on, on the earth. It, it's, a, it's a symbol of His magnitude. It's a symbol of His, his power. It's a symbol of, of His sovereignty. Uh, that He is exalted far above uh, the earth. In Isaiah, the 66th chapter, the first verse says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is My throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? So God has built His footstool, the earth, as it were. He uses that figure to to impress upon our faith uh, His grandeur, His honor, His sovereignty and power, His glory, to strengthen our faith, to invigorate our service to Him on this earth. So the earth, as we read, is His footstool. Uh, in First Chronicles 28 and verse 2, we read that the temple that, that uh, David wanted to build, uh, he regards that, he describes that as, God's, as, a, as a footstool of God. In First Chronicles 28 and verse 2, David, King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren. And my people, I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and had made preparations to build it. And so, so David recognized that the temple that he had prepared to build would be a place of, of rest um, for Jehovah. In Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 1, hundreds of years later, after, when God had brought a punishment upon his people and destroyed Jerusalem and that temple that David's son Solomon would build. Um, 
Jeremiah in, in anguish and uh, lamentation describes uh, God's footstool. It says how the, how the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in His anger. And God had punished His people by the Babylonians for their sins because they had brought false gods into that very temple, defiling it and defiling themselves. He cast down from heaven to the earth the beauty of Israel and did not remember His footstool in the day of His anger. And so he did not. Uh, he 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 did not say, "Well, I won't I won't punish my footstool." Um, he brought his punishment upon Zion, upon the temple, upon his people, because of their sins. So so several times God uses that expression "footstool," uh, and and in all of it, uh, not only is the idea of a place of uh, that He has designed for His pleasure. Uh, but also uh, a place of, of service to Him. And that's the concept of a footstool. It serves us. A footstool is a, is a, a piece of furniture of utility. It serves us. Helps us rest. Helps us relax. Uh, in Second Chronicles 9 and verse 18, uh, as we already read, David talking about the temple as a footstool of, of his God. And in uh, 2 Chronicles 9.18, we read about the king's throne that Solomon built. It says, the throne had six steps with a footstool of gold. And it was fastened to the throne. So, so the idea of the throne, the king had a place to put his feet. Well, God, the king over all this universe, he says, I've got a place to put my feet. The earth, the temple, Zion, a place of rest, a place of service, and it's set opposite of the throne. More on that point later, but you see the earth is not the place of the throne. It's the place of God's footstool. The idea of a footstool is an idea of lowliness. An idea of humility. Uh, being brought under authority. The Scriptures describe that in a couple of ways. Turn with me to Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2. The 110th Psalm, a messianic psalm as it predicts and looks forward to the King, to the Christ in coronation at God's right hand over His throne, uh, over His kingdom uh, reigning on His throne. The idea here is that to be uh, at uh, His footstool would be to be subjected or, or subjugated uh, by the Lord in defeat. Uh, the enemies would be defeated. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now the idea of making the enemy the footstool is subjugating, bringing them to lowliness, bringing them under His authority. Well, Christ did that. He brought sin under His authority. He brought... Uh, he brought uh, begins to bring death under His authority with His resurrection from the dead. Okay, so, so when we think about the footstool of God implying lowliness, uh, that's, that, that point is made several times in the New Testament. Hebrews 8, uh, 10th chapter and verse 13, this is referred to. Hebrews 10, the 13th verse, where God says, uh, well, 12 and 13, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, 
sat down at the right hand of God. Now there's the fulfillment of Psalm 110 in verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So he has done that, and from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Now, he's, he's reigning, and his enemies are his footstool, and there's, yet there's still enemies to put under his feet, to be subjugated, to be brought to humiliation by his superior power. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. 1 Corinthians 15, 25-27, and it refers back to that psalm where God makes His enemies the footstool of the Christ. And, and it quotes that passage and says, makes the application of resurrection from the dead. He will put the last enemy that will be defeated is death, or He has put all things under His feet. Okay? So His enemies are under His feet. Christ's enemies are subjugated to Him. They are His footstool. They are there to, to be under His power, under His rule. Another way that the word footstool is used in James 2 and verse 3 was a place of humiliating, treat, humiliating treatment by others. Somebody shamefully treating someone. Uh, you know, a footstool is not a place of honor. I mean, there's no... There's no particular recognition at all in a footstool. We don't sit on the footstool. We put our feet there. We, we don't set our bodies there. And so, you know, the footstool is not the throne. The footstool is low. Well, in James the second chapter, he talks about some brethren who were, who were mistreating their, their, their brethren in Christ. He says, you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, sit in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. So he's, he's, he's rebuking their preferential treatment of others based upon uh, their clothing, based upon whether they were, were wealthy or not, had fine apparel or, or a poor man. And, and he said, you're saying to the poor man, sit at my footstool. Well, James is making it clear that's shameful treatment. That ought not be so. That's not brotherly love. So the idea of footstool carried the idea on the one hand of, of service and utility, serving to, to give a place of rest and comfort, and secondly to the idea of lowliness, shameful treatment, or sub, subjugating enemies, or shamefully treating somebody that ought not be treated in that way. Now, there's something else to point out about the footstools is that they ultimately perish. They ultimately perish. Hebrews 1, uh, verses uh, 10 and following, says, You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of Your hands. They will perish, but You will remain. Now, remember, the footstool uh, is... Uh, the earth, according to Isaiah 66, 1, God's footstool. He said, those things you made, they're going to perish, but you're going to remain, and they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You'll fold them up, and they'll be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? And he applies Psalm 110, 
to, to the point. He contrasts the perishable nature of the footstool of the earth and the heavens for that matter with the eternal Christ. Uh, you back up in that passage to verse 8. Uh, it says, of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. God endures. His throne endures, but His footstool is going to perish. Second Peter 3, verses 10-13. Peter reminds us the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. This world is going to be burned up. It's going to melt. The footstool is going to be destroyed. And, you know, I, we, uh, sometimes we keep pieces of furniture a good while, but finally, they wear out. We put our feet on it enough, and it serves its purpose, and we discard it. Well, there's going to be a time the world will have served its purpose, and it's going to be burned up. The Lord's going to return, and uh, He's going to remain. And that's the contrast. The point of contrast is the footstool perishes, but the one who's on the throne and who, uh, who has created the footstool, He's going to endure. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You go back to that description and use of footstool, and at least the verse where it's used is applied there. And it says um, in verse 28, when all things are made subject to Him, then the Son Himself will be subject to Him who put all things under Him that God may be all in all. So there's the eternal nature of God in contrast to the perishable nature of the things that He has created. Uh, including this earth, his footstool. Now, we simply make the point and note that, that uh, as we've already noted, Hebrews 1.13, the enemies of Christ perish. They're at his footstool. You've made his in, you, the Lord has made his enemies his footstool. And the last one to perish will be death itself. He'll cast death into the lake of fire. Death and Hades will be cast in the lake of fire. Revelation 22, the, the eternal destruction of death. The enemies of Christ removed, perish, that the throne of God remains. You see, God's throne is eternal. We read that Hebrews 1 and verse 8. He endures. He remains sovereign over all, even when and after uh, the footstool perishes. Simple illustrations. Nothing difficult to understand about that. He on the throne is eternal. The footstool is not. And, and, uh, and, and that should shape the way we think about heaven and earth. It should shape the way we think about God. You know, to remind us and realize that the things on this earth are transient. They're passing. They're, they're temporary. Uh, uh, we're going to all die. We're not getting out of here alive. Right? Say the Lord comes and we'll be changed. But you know, so so we who live on the footstool are gonna lay down this mortal body. But there's more to it than that. And we'll come back to that in just a little bit. First of all, though, let's talk a little bit about worship from God's footstool, because while we are on the earth, on God's footstool. He deserves our worship. The earth itself gives worship to God. I think I made this point in, a, in an invitation not long ago. And that is, you know, the, of all God's creation, it's only man that fails to worship God and to honor Him and praise Him. The footstool does. Psalm 148. The creation 
recognizes the power and glory of God and the people of God. That whole 148th Psalm, praise the Lord. We sing that. Let them praise His good Jehovah. For His name alone is high. His name. Here's, here's, his creation is to give humble recognition to God and His name, His power, uh, His authority, His rule. Look at verses 5 and 6. Let them praise the name of the Lord. That's not just saying we're going to praise, quote, Yahweh or Jehovah, the name itself, but for what that stands for. We praise His sovereignty. We praise His eternal nature. We praise Him for all of His power. He commanded and they were created. You see, that's why the earth praises God. And, he, and, and look at the psalm. Uh, the sun, the moon, the stars. He'll talk about the sea creatures, the mountains, the hills, the trees, the cattle, the insects, the birds, kings, old men, young men, old women, young women, children. We all praise God. He created this habitation for us all. Now, in the New Covenant, we're reminded that these are the, this this uh, that we're to give God this same sort of recognition. Hebrews thirteen fourteen and fifteen says, "Here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God." That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Just as the psalm talks about the earth praising His name, we're to give thanks to His name. We're to reg- our praise, our worship, focuses upon the power of God, the authority of God, the sovereignty of God over our lives, who gives us everything and sustains us here on His footstool. That psalm also talks about the glory of God being the focus of praise. Going back to that, Psalm 148 in verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. His honor, His brilliance is is more so than everything else. Jesus in the model prayer said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God is exalted and He alone is worthy of praise because of the glory attached to His name. God's people bring this praise before Him. Verse 14, He has exalted the horn of His people. That is, He's exalted the strength of His people. The praise of all His saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to Him. So God is worthy to be praised from His footstool because He has a people who are close to Him, who are near to Him. Well, the Bible says that's Christians. Acts 2.42, when people obeyed the Gospel on the day of Pentecost, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. They continued to worship God from His footstool. That's what you and I are doing tonight. It's from His footstool from here on earth. We're giving praise to our God for His name, for His glory, because we are His people. Now, that that again speaks to the magnitude of God that we lowly, under His authority, 
and in, indeed humiliated because of our sin, He has nevertheless redeemed us by the blood of His Son. He has exalted us to heavenly places, though we live on His footstool, that we now compose His temple. You see the Old Testament temple, David described as the, the, the footstool of my God. They, Solomon, when he built it, he understood that it didn't contain God. First Kings, the eighth chapter, twenty-six through twenty-nine. Now I pray, O God of Israel. This is Solomon in his prayer of dedication for the temple that he had built. O Lord, I pray, uh, let your word come true, which you've spoken to your servant David, my father. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. The earth doesn't contain God. He built it as His footstool. The temple doesn't contain God. Though a place of rest and, and uh, presence among His people, Solomon said, yet have regard for it. Regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry of the prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be open toward this temple night and day, toward the place of which you said, My name shall be there, that you may hear the prayer which your servants make toward this place. God's temple was a that Solomon built was a, a footstool, was a place of his presence, a place of his rest, a place of 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 meeting. You know, children gather around the footstool to used to hear hear a story, and I climb up in your lap and all that too, you know. But footstool, a place of gathering, a place of rest, a place where where God meets His people in the Old Testament, His temple, a place of worship. Psalm ninety nine and verse five talks about this. Ninety ninth Psalm. Go with me over there to to verse five. Psalm ninety nine. It says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His footstool. He is holy. So, we, so when we worship, we are at His footstool. We understand that we are low in a position of lowliness and that we honor Him. We recognize His holiness before us. Verse 9, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Now again, this is speaking to Israel particularly. They were told to come to this temple, the tabernacle in the temple, and bring worship to Him there. That's the figure. It's at His footstool, this place of lowliness that we honor the glory of His holiness. Psalm 132. Psalm 132 and verse 7. Puts it this way. It says, Let us go into his tabernacle, let us worship at his footstool. So Israel came into the tent, into the abiding place of God, worshiping at his footstool, worshiping in a place of lowly humility, the exalted position of God. We can get wrapped up in coming to a building, but we can forget what it's all about. It's about a place of lowly recognition of the greatness of God. That we're at, we're, that, that, but more than that, you see, it's not the building today that's the, the, the temple of God, but it's the church. And we'll get to that in just a second. But in the Old Testament, that temple 
They were to remember to come before God with holiness. Wherever God, you know, Moses was told to take his shoes off because he's on holy ground. God is present. Well, God was present among Israel at the temple. Though it's described as his footstool, he's there and there to be holy and reverential before him. Heaven, where God's throne is, is depicted in the same way as a place where he is exalted as holy, and, and as those around his throne uh, cry out, "Holy, holy, holy!" is the Lord God of hosts. So, so uh, time and again, whether from the footstool or from the throne, around the throne, God's holiness defines our conduct, our reverence of worship. We serve Him with reverence and awe. Hebrews twelve, because our God's a consuming fire. That passage says. We recognize that He has wrath against sin, and so we approach Him with careful reverence, not casual uh, uh, disregard. Worshiping from God's footstool is not a casual thing, it's a reverent thing. It's a recognition of the holiness of God. Now, that was so in the Old Testament with the temple. And part of the problem was they corrupted that worship. They defiled it uh, with idolatry and, and, uh, and hearts that were hardened against God and against His will. And they, they become a powerful lesson to us about who we are today, the church, the temple of God, the house of God, that we may offer up spiritual sacrifices to Him, 1 Peter 2 and verse 5. We are living stones in the house of God and we are a holy priesthood so that now the church on earth, the footstool, comes before the God who is on the throne in heaven. And He accepts our worship from the footstool to the throne. Stephen acknowledged what Solomon said. And, and this was what led to them stoning him. Is You see, they, they, they could only picture a God who was was present in that temple of Solomon years ago. But, but Solomon, uh, Stephen said, the Most High doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He has, he has built a temple made without human hands. The church. The redeemed ones. And it is the church from this footstool, from earth itself, that gives honor and praise and worship to God who is upon the throne. And it's in that light that we need to understand passages like Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses 19 through 25. When he says, Brethren, we have boldness to enter the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus. We can come to the presence of God in heaven itself because Jesus died for us. He's, made a, he's dedicated a new and living way. He's given us access. And as our high priest, He is over the house of God. He's over us. He, he leads us in this access to God. He provides it. He sustains it. So let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Okay? So draw near to God. Verse 23, let's hold fast the confession of our hope. And verse 24, let's consider one another to stir up love and good works. Why? Because we're the temple of God. You see, why is it that He says don't forsake the assembling of yourself together? It's because we're drawing near to worship God on His throne. That access has been given to us. 
by Jesus Christ. Though we live on God's footstool, He's elevated us to heavenly places. And so while we're on the earth, and while we're members of His house, His temple, we are priests to offer spiritual sacrifices, worship to Him that He accepts because of Jesus. That's why we draw near. That's why we don't forsake our assembling together. It's because we come before the throne of God to give Him worship. That's what it's about. It's not about checking names off a roll. It's about honoring God. Worshiping God. From the footstool to the throne. Now, one final point on this tonight, and that is living on God's footstool. It's talking about life itself. Because there's a whole, a whole other aspect of, of application as we live on the earth. As we live on this footstool that God has created. Uh, and, and again, we, we see the enormity of God, the, the grandeur and expanse of God. And, and, and here He is on His throne and His feet are down here on the earth. Well, He gives us this earth for ourselves. For us to give us life and to sustain our lives so that our lives are given to Him in service and in worship. Look at Acts the 14th chapter, please. Verses 15-17. through 17. Remember Paul and Barnabas, there was a, a healing of a man there and, and the, these idolaters are about to start worshiping them and uh, because they had healed this, this cripple, this man who had been crippled from birth, never walked. And, and so when the people see this great miracle, they start trying to, to, to they start calling them their gods, identifying them with their gods. And, and, and Paul and Barnabas rush forward. They tear their clothes. They, they say, "Stop this, men! Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you, and we preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven and the earth." and the sea and all the things that are in them. Who in bygone times or generations allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, He did not leave Himself without witness in that He did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Now, Paul and Barnabas say there that it's the creative power of God that is at the heart of why we worship. He says, we're preaching to you a living God and because of His creative power, He made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. He's the one we worship. He made this footstool. You know, See, the idea is you know, a lot of people worship the footstool. Mother Earth, right? And they, they, you know, they worship Earth as the giver of life. No, it's God who gave life. It's God who gave the Earth and set life on this planet, put life here, and sustains our life here. And that's what he goes on to say next about the true God, the living God, not these dead idols, is that the living world came from the living God. He gives rain. Fruitful seasons gives us food and the joy that comes from that, the life that is a result of that. He says that's all from God. God gives us this footstool to live on, but He has 
blessed us with life. And now in turn, we're to worship Him. He says, that's the God we preach to you. That's the God. Don't worship us, He said. Worship the true God, the living God. Acts 4.24 They worshiped God in prayer. The brethren did on that occasion. And they, they prayed to Him in a similar fashion. Lord, You are God who made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. You're God. Not the earth. Not man. God, the One who created everything. The One who sustains our life. So, living on God's footstool ought to be a reminder. We ought to think from time to time that we really are on the footstool of God, but God has given this, this planet and all of its wonders and glories out of His power, out of His love, out of His creative might. And it's foolish to reject Him. It's just foolish to ignore Him. And when people, when we do, we put ourselves under His condemnation. Well, what we ought to do, understanding that we live on His footstool, is humble ourselves with loving respect for God and for each other. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second like unto it is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We're on the footstool. It serves no good to elevate ourselves before God or above each other. Because we're all, on the, we're all in the same place. We're all on the footstool. We're all in this place of lowliness. But Satan wants to try to get us to elevate ourselves. Put ourselves above God. Elevate ourselves above each other. Put my desires, my wants, my, need, my, my supposed needs uh, in the forefront rather than God who created this footstool, who sustains our life on this footstool and calls upon us to worship Him from this footstool in holiness and reverence. Life on God's footstool is about honoring the One who made it and serving Him faithfully from it. And it also means that we prepare for the time when it perishes. This world is not our home. Why? Because we know this world is going to perish, but our God is going to endure. And so, just as we already read, you see, we make that application in the way we choose to live on the footstool. It's going to be destroyed. But with salvation in Christ, we endure. You see, that's the point of Hebrews 1, 10-14 that we read earlier. But now we add to it verse 14. We stopped at 13 a minute ago. Verse 14 says, Are they not all men? He's talking about the angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? We on the footstool of God on the earth will inherit salvation because of Christ. Because He is forever and ever. His throne endures. Footstool doesn't. We need access to the throne to that eternal life. Jesus is the one who provides it. And so, though this world's going to be destroyed, there's eternity before God's throne. And that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. So we have to choose to live away, away a life now so that we're going to be before that throne. We don't want to perish eternally 
with uh, as an enemy of God. Remember, the enemies are going to be cast into the lake of fire. We don't want to perish. We want to live. Because that life, and that life is before the throne of God. Look at Revelation 3.21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat with my Father on His throne. Isn't it not just interesting, isn't it compelling that God gives us a place on His throne, no longer on His footstool? When we overcome in eternity, it's not that we'll be be on a footstool, we're going to share with Him in His glory. We're going to share... Well, let me, let me point out the same things we noted from Psalm 148. We're going to share His name. Remember back there? Psalm 148, God is to be praised because of His name, because of His glory, by His people. Well, look at Revelation 3 and verse 12. It says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall not he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the and the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God and I will write on him my new name. Christ says the one who overcomes will have will be identified with me. Will be identified with God. Will be identified with the power uh, of God. Well, so in chapter 22 and verse 4, we see the picture of heaven. What do we see? Verse 4 says, They shall see His face and His name shall be on their foreheads. Those who go to heaven are forever identified with God. His name. His power. His rule. His reign. We overcome. We're going to share in His glory. Back to Revelation 3 and verse 5. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out His name from the book of life, but I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. So in the presence of God, who is glorious, we will share in that glory. Jesus will confess the name of the person who overcomes. I will, no, I will give you honor. I will confess you before God and His angels. Imagine to be identified in such an honor. He says that's, that's, that's what we can look forward to. That's what we prepare for. The earth holds no honor. It's going to perish. We're living for the glory to come when the footstool is no more. Revelation 22 and verse 5 so in heaven, look what it says. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. The glory of eternal reign with God to those who overcome. God's people. Revelation 21.3 I heard of a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And He shall dwell with them and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. No more from uh, the Old Testament temple. God doesn't dwell with us that way anymore. He doesn't dwell with us uh, now while we live on the footstool as His church, but now in His very presence. 
is an eternal place for us around the throne of God. All of that should affect how we choose to live while we're on this footstool. This world's not my home. This footstool serves a purpose. Purposes that, that are to align with the purposes of God who made it. That honor Him. That glorify Him. That serve His will. All the while knowing that my treasures need to be laid up in heaven, not on the, not on, not on the earth, not on the footstool, because that's going to perish. The things that are on the footstool, they're, they're going to they're be destroyed. Along with it. But God has prepared a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. 2 Peter 3.13 That's heaven. And so you see, that's where we need to put our hope. Where we put our treasures. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. He says, if you were raised together to Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are upon the earth. And as we do that, day in, day out, on this footstool, on this, on this globe, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that He may exalt us in due time. He will exalt us by and by. He'll take us from the footstool. He'll say, join me at my throne. That's what it's all about. That's what being a Christian is all about. So that we join God eternally around His throne. I hope the studies helped you in some way to, to not only reflect upon the magnitude of God, but what God has in store for us if we'll be faithful to Him. If we'll serve Him now on this globe. Put ourselves under His authority. Live in humility. Honor Him with worship. And glorify Him in holiness. And by and by, He'll bring us into His presence. And we'll be there with Him around His throne forevermore. Begins by becoming a Christian and continues by being faithful to the Lord. Be saved tonight if you're not a Christian. In faith, repent of your sins, confess His name, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Then live in fellowship with Him now. As a member of His house, His church, give Him the honor and service that He is due. And He'll take you home to heaven. Be faithful. And if, that's, if sin's intruded on that faithfulness, let's repent. Let's come back to the Lord. Let's serve Him in holiness. Confess our sin and repent at prayer and He'll hear our prayers. He'll forgive our sins. And let's live for heaven. Won't you come while we stand and sing?